0: welcome to worship today. As ever, it's a delight to have you join with us as we gather together online. Today we're continuing in Mark's Gospel and we're going to worship together however you find yourselves, whether you want to sing in your head or sing out loud at the top of your lungs. Come and enjoy the presence of God with us. Let's pray. Father, we know that you are with us. Whether we feel connected to you or far away, whether we're surrounded by people in our home or feel the distance from our brothers and sisters, Lord, you are here. As we seek you, speak to our hearts, help us to know your goodness, now and always. Amen. Let's sing together. And we're back in a in a familiar territory, really. Um, So I'm just going to start at verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now this passage starts at the top of a mountain. Now mountains are funny things. I'm not a big mountain person. Some people love nothing better than taking their time to go up a mountain and enjoy the view. I think a view can be just as good at the bottom of a mountain but that's me. But they're often considered places that are spiritually significant. If you do venture to the top of the mountain, it's not unusual to find a cairn, a group of stones that mark something. And different mountains around the world are known for all kinds of different things. There are some mountains that you climb with a rock in your bag and you place it at the top as a sign of leaving whatever troubles you behind. You've carried it for long enough and you leave it there. But mountains in the Bible were full of significance. Mountains were never the place, the top of the mountain, was never the place that people lived. It's still not the place that people lived. But all these important encounters in the Bible take place on a mountain. Whether it's Abraham and his son Isaac, where he thinks he has to sacrifice his son to prove his love for God, and God provides a lamb, that's on a mountain. Whether it's Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, that's up a mountain. Even in the stories of Jesus, we hear all of these encounters on a mountain. And this one happens on a mountain. He takes the people who want to follow him, who he sees something in, up a mountain. And we tend to miss that just minute detail. But whenever we hear of a mountain, it is 90% about something significant that's about to happen. So as much as it seems just like a geography, geography detail, oh yeah, you know, they went down the left-hand road on and then took a right, it's actually telling us that this is important, that this matters. We even find them in the Psalms. I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? My help comes from, I lift my eyes up. Something about being understood and seen by God. Now, we know that there was this sense that the gods were above us. And so there was that height thing. But actually, we learn in other parts of Scripture that God is all around us. But symbols matter. And so the idea that something happens on a mountain is important. Jesus has something to say which is significant. This time. And so we get this call, we get this idea that the disciples are called, those 12 people that we see who really continue the story on, along with thousands of others, but whose stories are perhaps better recorded than others. And it's often in your Bibles, if you're following it along, it'll have a subtitle that says, You know, the calling of the 12 disciples. And yet, just a few weeks ago, we saw Jesus call the first disciples. So what's going on? Were they called a few chapters ago, a few weeks ago in real time? Or are they called now? Now, calling is such a thing we put huge amounts of pressure on. And we often think there will be that light bulb moment where suddenly we know what God is calling us to do. That we'll find what it is where our heart and God's heart aligns. And I think when we look at this passage, remember that there's passages before, but also remember there's passages after where Jesus speaks to individuals about what they will do in the future. We're reminding that calling is something that continues throughout our life as a disciple. It's not a one-stop shop where we've had an interview with Jesus, he's given us our task and we're off for the rest of our life. Calling is something about coming back to Jesus again and again and saying, God, I choose to serve you. What will you have me do? But like I said, we often think it a one-stop shop. So I've sat at the piano today. I'm not going to subject you Masses amounts of my piano playing but when you begin to learn the piano often I see children and this is what they do sorry to the pianists in church you think I'm now abusing their piano
2: they like to just
0: play random notes have a feel just see what the sound makes and then they might learn a tune really excited that they know a little bit. And then they might know a bit more. And then they might go on to play something far beyond my capabilities. But we're used to this idea of when we're learning an instrument that we start with just playing around with it, seeing the noises it makes, learning what it does. And then we learn a little, and then we learn a bit more, and then we learn a bit more more than that. And even if we reach the grand old title of being a virtual soul, we don't stop learning. It doesn't mean that uh, we've suddenly learned all there is to know about the piano. Uh, Lots of you know that I play the flute, and I started a little bit later than many people at school playing the flute. And I remember being told that when you got to grade 8, that you could play anything in the world ever brilliantly. It's not true. (laughs) I've done my grade 8. There are still plenty of things that I learn and struggle with and have to practice. And to have any skill that continues, I've got to keep going at it. And the same if you're an athlete... Just because you're Usain Bolt and have an Olympic title or several and a world record doesn't mean you have to give up practicing. You've still got to put the work in there. And so our calling matters. We might feel confident that we know what it is, but we still have to go back to God and ask for the specifics I feel called to care for people. Now, we all need to care for people, but some people have a real gifting and a call towards it. But we still need to go to God and go, well, here is it I need to care for today. I might have a calling to be a builder, to be a teacher, to work in an office. But what does that look like day to day? That still involves going back and coming to Jesus and saying, here I am, Lord, send me. But what I love about this passage is it goes on and it gives all the names of the 12. Because when Jesus gives us a calling he knows us. He knows our name. We're not a number to him. Jesus knows his people. And yet sometimes Jesus gives us a calling that seems so alien to us that we're having to learn and really step out of our comfort zone. But more often than not God takes what we have and helps it to grow so the things that we're good of God will use as we go forward because our calling is about who we are and who we are before God but our calling is also related to who we're surrounded with in the list of those 12 disciples I love that it's not just their names That we see the relationships, we see brothers with each other, we see who his dad is uh, there, we get two dads named, and then we get nicknames, we get the Sons of Thunder. Imagine Jesus is 12 and two of them are called the Sons of Thunder, it's like a wrestling name, but they're there and Jesus sees them, and he sees what he will do. He changes Simon's name to Peter. And the last on that list, we see Judas, who will betray him. Even though Jesus must know this is going to happen, doesn't mean that Jesus loves Judas any less. Judas is still called. So, whatever your call is, whether you know it a little or a lot, let's come back to God. Let's go up the mountain and spend time with him and say, Jesus, what is it that you call me to? What is it that you're saying for me to do this time, in this place? Let's be aware of who surrounds us, who supports us, and who we are. Let's know that Jesus calls each and every one of you. Amen.
1: You're hidden. Yeah. Oh.
2: I'll start the prayers, I would like just to um, give a hymn out, um, read the words of an hymn. It did start off um, as poetry um, a few years back, but I think it's very relevant for today or relevant for any time. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to god in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear All because we do not carry everything to god in prayer are we trials and temptations is there trouble anywhere we should never be discouraged take it to the lord in prayer can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with thanks in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for watching over us and blessing us in our everyday lives. We give thanks for the food, refreshments, protection, and light that you provide in the midst of this pandemic things that we take for granted. Lord, we especially thank you for the National Health Service, the doctors, the nurses, and the health workers, that have kept our nation's heads above the water when we felt like we were sometimes drowning. We give thanks for each and every key worker and volunteer and support worker that's provided support, love, and charity in this crisis. We lift the government up to you and ask you to guide them in their decision-making and the management needed to get us through this time. We give thanks to all the scientists and professionals that are developing the vaccines, and we trust in you for the effectiveness of these vaccines for our future. I pray you are able to overcome any force that may come against those that may be fearful of the vaccine through lies or deceit. Lord, it has been a long year since the virus has attacked us. We pray for those who have suffered health problems. We pray for the families who have suffered bereavements. We don't know why this has happened, but we know that you have everything planned and in control, and we pray and trust in you. We know God works for the good of those who love him and have faith in him, those that are trusted to be used for his purpose. We lift our families, friends and neighbours up to you at this time. Thank you for the communication we are able to have through telephone calls, Zoom meetings and all the other opportunities provided for us. Life would have been so much more challenging without being able to share love and support in this way. Please bless and keep them safe. We pray this virus will soon be overcome so normal life can resume. I lift all my family, friends and church, brothers and sisters up to you. Lord, keep them and watch over them. Strengthen us in our weakest times. Help us live each day. Pick us up when we fall. Heal us when we are sick. At times, the Lord reminds us of your presence when we find it hard to read your words and pray. But we know we can trust in you. By the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Shall we finish with the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven,
0: And so may we know the blessing of our God who knows your name, who says your name to you so you hear your call and know it is yours. May you know the blessing of our God who loves you and is for you. The blessing of our God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, today and always.